chocolate. 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 Hey, chocolate lovers. We're off this week, but for today's bonus episode, I'm sharing a series of clips from my interview with Greg D'Alessandro. He's the cacao sorcerer for Dandelion Chocolate. The purpose of this interview was actually to get a better sense of Greg's understanding of the Japanese chocolate scene. So here we discuss the differences between the Japanese and American craft chocolate markets and how chocolate makers should choose to expand their operations on the road. One of the things, like some of the things that have been really interesting, I think, are like, for instance, pastries here. We don't have the same, there's not the same flour that we're using in the U.S. You know, um, just, just again, like, you know, what the wheat that's grown, etc. Um, and so uh, it, it's actually been, the pastry has been really interesting because even exactly the same recipe just comes out differently here because the ingredients are just slightly different. Um, and so, but that being said, like the way the employees sort of represent everything and, and talk about our company and our product uh, is very similar. And, um, uh, and I, I think has been, again, I don't speak Japanese, so I, it may, may, maybe it's really different. Um, but like everything I've heard is like, it, it, to me, it feels like one team. Like it, it feels like there's definitely people in Japan and people in the U.S., but it feels like a team. And like, there's some things we do to encourage that. We have an exchange program where, uh, where a couple of our employees from San Francisco will come out to spend a month in Japan working. So like, you know, uh, one of our one of our chocolate makers will work in the factory here, or one you know our pastry chef will be making pastry here for a month, or working in the cafe here, and then. Likewise, um, employees here will go out to San Francisco, and so we're trying to do these things to 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 try to make sure that there's s- strong sharing of information. Because I think long term, as we grow everywhere, uh, it, the, the 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 big thing we want to make sure is that you don't end up getting one experience. It's like the last thing you want, and I've 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 had this where there's a brand you really love, and then you go to a new country or a new city, and you're like, oh, there's one of those things here, and then you go into it, and it's just like nothing like the other one you've been to you know and like you're just it's such a letdown um because you kind of hope that the that that a brand you really love could be consistent turns out it's really hard um but we're trying our best to 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 bring consistency and i think so far we're doing a pretty good job um and even things like take flavor notes like tasting notes um one of the things i actually really love is uh, our our design team did this um i just i think it's I, I love structure. I was an engineer. I'm still an engineer at heart. Um, and so the way uh, our bars work is uh, the paper on them, uh, uh, if it's a 70% bar, it's a cream-colored paper. If it's an 85% bar, it's a gray paper. And if it's a 100% bar, it's a dark brown paper. And the pattern uh, is associated to the origin. So color of paper is percentage. Pattern is origin. The color of the pattern is gold if it's a U.S. bar, silver if it's a Japan bar. That's how I can distinguish my bar. Yeah. And so, like, and so, but, like, which I just thought was, like, a really, like, and so, like. That's clever as hell. I I thought so. Again, I'm not taking credit for that. That was definitely our design team that came up with it. Like, um, this was mostly, like, Elaine's brainchild. And it's just, like, it's awesome. Like, I think it's, and, yeah. and like, it, and it, it's those, like, little touches that make you feel like, oh, this is, like, you know, 
I mean, okay, the back label is also in Japanese. And so, like, in that way, you can definitely tell it's Japanese. But I think it's all those things that make it feel like a consistent, coherent experience, but not trying to make it feel like... I, I think our goal is we never want to convince you, yeah, that it's just like, this is all the same. This is all homogenized, right? Because all these things are just different and distinct. The bars in Japan do taste different than the ones in the U.S. So we want, we want to celebrate that difference, but not in such a way that it feels... Like, there's all these things that are different. And, like, my goal long-term... So we now have a couple different factories. Is Each factory has its own personality. And so as you're tasting the bars in the different factories, you'll start to get the personalities of those factories. And what people... What the chocolate their makers there like and what they try the notes they try to pull out, so that over time you'll end up getting into this sort of like you know oh I really love the stuff at Valencia when they do this and this and this and you know like because I think as we grow which we're going to continue to grow like I don't think growth is bad I think homogenization is bad. You want to make it a child, not a clone. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a great way to put it. I, I might even steal that. What are the biggest differences, in your opinion, between the Japanese chocolate, like, craft chocolate scene and, mm-hmm. like, community versus the American one? Um, well, so, so when the American craft chocolate scene first sort of started, I think a lot of it was based on, like, a lot of the initial kind of approaches were, were borrowed from the larger chocolate industry. And so, um, but I think that that shifted over time. So, like, early on... It, the craft chocolate industry wasn't... I mean, like, people talked to each other, but I think there was still, like, this notion of, like, you know, trade secrets and, you know, like, well, like, we're all kind of competing. And so, like, there, you know, we'll talk to each other, but, like, we are competitors, right? And I think now craft chocolate has really moved into this realm where it's, like, I think everyone's, like, we're, we, we, are a, we are a tiny speck in the grand scheme of chocolate, so competing with each other seems almost crazy. We all need to work together to educate the public. Exactly. Like, we all need to work together to, to sort of help people understand what this new market is. Um, I, and I think in Japan, uh, I think I, I, that same arc sort of happened, where a lot of the initial makers didn't necessarily talk to each other very much. But then over time, they just started, they, they started networking and sharing, and now a lot of people share beans with each other and, you know, sort of like really sort of talk to each other a lot more. And so it was really fascinating seeing that kind of same arc that happened in the U.S. just kind of delayed happen in in Japan as well. I think craft industries will trend towards people talking to each other. They have to because you're each trying to figure something out. It's easier to figure things out when you have a group of people trying to figure something out than like each of us is trying to figure it out on our own. When you can crowdsource the answers. You can crowdsource the answers. Deciding to enter the Japanese market was clearly like something that you had already had in your mind. Why did you enter Taiwan a few months ago? Um, Well, so, so again, that was that was largely di- driven by Seiji, um, who I think he, um, you know, it, it, similar to, to sort of working with Coco, you got to be in it to really know it. And I think we uh, we really trust Seiji's. You know, Seiji is is a part of the leadership team of Dandelion, and like I think he has a good sense for um, what's happening in the Asian market in chocolate, um, and specifically in Taiwan. Again when we're looking at where do we want to expand to, Taiwan has always been a, one of the top of the list in, in Asia outside of Japan because 
there's an interest in good food. Uh, people are willing to pay for good food. Uh, there's also a strong connection between, like, it's funny, they're very parallel, but there's a strong connection between Japan and Taiwan as well. And so, like, I think there's not as strong a connection between Taiwan and San Francisco, but there's a very strong connection between Taiwan and Japan. And so, in many ways, if we had never gone to Japan, we probably wouldn't have gone to Taiwan, if that makes sense. Right, because it's like the expansion is an expansion of dandelion chocolate Japan into Taiwan more than dandelion chocolate U.S. into Taiwan. To some degree, like you should build things in places you want to go to, right? Because because otherwise, it's like if you, I mean, let's face it, tons of chocolate makers source beans from places they want to visit. I, I I like I think there's a dirty little secret of part of the reason a lot of people don't source a lot of beans from Africa is I think people are less excited about visiting Africa than Ecuador or Having Peru to or visit, yeah. yeah exactly um, and so like I think it's good to like you know like do things in places that you 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 feel an attraction to and a kinship with uh, so I love Japan thanks Japan you're the best.